Hey guys, this is Ian with the Once Broken Podcast. I'm so excited to be back on here. It's been a long time. I had laryngitis, had a bunch of other crazy stuff going on. So I'm really excited, especially for this next guest we got going on right now. Because man, I I was actually on his podcast a couple months ago, uh, talking about no one down. This guy is intense. I don't want to say his name just yet because I want to build up the suspense here. He's done things like climb Mount Everest. He went, like he's traveled the world, done a lot of crazy stuff, done all that. And then also, yes, he is in recovery. I'm going to let him tell you all about that stuff. And this man, Robert Eastman, the Eastman Foundation, he owns the Eastman Gym, right? That's yeah, what Eastman it is. Eastman Fitness and Wellness. E- Eastman Fitness and Wellness. And man, I'm so excited to have him on. Say hi, brother. What's happening? What's I, happening? I know it's been a minute. Yeah, man. It's like... <laughs> We were, we were going to make this happen a little bit ago, and then high school wrestling kicked in, and that's like a full, full, full-time job. Oh, I bet. With everything else going, so I just barely had a minute, so I'm glad we could link back up. I'm, I'm excited, too, man. It's been crazy. I know it's been crazy for you, too. And So before, you know, I, I, tell me what you do today. What's your life look like today? I get people around me that hang out, and they're they're – either jealous irritated or what they're like dude why can you only work four days a week you skydive you rock climb it's like that is my job That's, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just uh celebrated like uh, 3800 days clean and sober a couple Mother weeks ago like over 10 years there you go and for that first seven years i made damn sure that whatever i did next was gonna be a happy life. Rise and grind. I didn't want a job, right? I tried that, I sucked at that. So I designed it around all the things that helped me get sober. I was like, nobody's doing this stuff, I need to do this. And as an addict, we overdo everything we love, right? Oh, yeah. So that's why I have 10,000 hobbies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't burn any of them out, but I also get paid to do those hobbies. Yeah. Taking people out, facing fears. So, um, people ask me what I do and I, I get to play with my friends. It was so funny. Cause like we were going to do this Monday and you're like, Oh no, we're getting a snowstorm. I'm going to the ski <laughs> lift. And, and like, I was just like, hell yeah, you are. <laughs> was it was like, really for so your exciting. safety. So you didn't have to drive in the snow, but yeah. We oh, I don't there. care. But, but I thought that was so funny. Cause I love that. Yeah. I, and it was so funny. Like, so I, I got laid off my job couple months ago right and out of pure resentment and anger i was like i'm never working for anyone ever again and so i started my own company and i get to do those things today too but it was just like yeah man and i love that how you were just like no we can't do that i'm going to the ski lift like big snowstorms but that's the life that people like you get to lead like live today yeah because you put in the work. Yeah, that's the other part is that people think, oh, you do this and this. It's like if they saw the amount of time, effort, failure, failure yeah. inside of my life right now, they'd be like, eh, nine to five is just fine. Right? Yeah, Some no one people, ever sees the success. They only see the success. Yeah. They, they don't see the work, determination, the failure, all that stuff to get to that yeah. success. And then when you're your own boss, you don't get to go to work on Monday and work's waiting for you. You got to mm-hmm. drum it up. You could, then you got to do it. You got to keep it. So I just want to, have you ever heard that 
that uh, talk by Jim Carrey where he talks about his dad? I think I have, but where his his dad played it safe and he went and got a good safe job so that he'd have security, and he later got let go from that safe job. Yeah, it's like you can fail for somebody else, or you can fail doing something you love. You might as well fail doing something you love and. I was a terrible employee and I found <laughs> psychology and fitness early on in my recovery and I combined the two and people thought I was crazy and told me to get a real job at least 10,000 times and now those same people are training job. at my gym, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So it's a, it's crazy what, what lessons and what strength comes from absolute fear and struggle. So your gym, where's your gym located? We're in Centerville, Utah, just uh, right off the freeway. Nice and awesome. So what is the core values at your gym? And then I'm going to talk about a little bit more about your successes and then let's move into you know your past and what made you have this drive that you have. But talk more about the core values at your gym. So for my gym, I do a lot of uh, life coaching and recovery coaching. So I don't care. You can get fit anywhere. Yeah. You can go bench press. You can go to Boston for 10 bucks. Yeah. Like I care about change and creating lifestyle change, not get you ready for summer. Like I want things, I want it to be imprinted into your soul yeah. and find what makes you happy. So a lot of the times, like it was a couple months ago, there was two lady, one lady dealing with anxiety. One lady was is 57, really hadn't done much in her life. So one morning after training, I'm like, what do you guys fear most? And they're both like, ah, oh, I'm terrified of heights. I'm like, all right, within 30 seconds, I made him shake my hand. And that Saturday, we went skydiving. <laughs> so that stuff is really what it is or you know a gym's just an easy place for me to teach people how to do hard things in a safe environment yeah how to work out in front of people how to lead the group how to you know all these different things find that self-love find confidence see that they are strong they are capable and uh i don't looks will come yeah but it's crazy when you actually start believing in yourself how good you look after that oh yeah your pants are the same size, but yet you feel 20 sizes smaller. Confidence rips, dude. It doesn't matter what size you are. If you have confidence and swagger and you believe it and you're not yeah. faking it, you don't need much more. Yeah. And, and working towards that healthy lifestyle, I think that's what life's about. No, and that's – I'm really happy you brought that up because that, that was my problem as a kid. You know, always looking for the outside sources to feel better about me mm -hmm. if I was this weight – if I, if I was this skinny or, or this muscle mass or whatever, but then finally like getting to a point where it's just like, now I want to be this healthy for me. Yeah. And, and also I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me today. And, and it was because of that mindset of, you know, the confidence, the swagger you were talking about was built from the inside out. Yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. It doesn't matter how big your house is, how nice your car yeah. is, all this stuff. If you don't like you, don't matter. you're going to be hating it. Yeah, You're going to be empty way more than you're full. If you need people, places, or things to make you happy, you're going to be 
wasting a whole lot of energy. If you put that same amount of energy into yourself, you're going to be just fine. It's the same as addiction, right? There's like, if you put the same amount of effort you did in getting drugs every day into something positive, you're going to be successful. <laughs> like, okay, I tried that and it worked. <laughs> you're like, you were crying about a 10 hour work day. How many hours did you spend a day grinding, finding drugs? It was like at least 18, 19. <laughs> I hear those stories of some dude who took like a razor scooter in the snow up hills to go get, see his dope man. And you're like, bro, like you got some drive yeah. and you know, you got it. <laughs> and the other big part for me is, is not just doing things, but doing things that you're passionate about. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, that's why you've got to try a bunch of different, even if you're like, nah, that's not my thing. Then go do that. Find out if it's really not your thing. Yeah. Like I used to love golf. Nah, it's not the same not drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I get pretty bored unless I can play through and nobody's in front of me and I can just go. Yeah. It's too slow for me. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things. So for me, uh, being bullied as a kid, mm. that scared me. So I acted tough, but I wasn't tough. So when I hit 35, I was like, you know what? I need to face that fear. So I took a cage fight off of Facebook. Don't recommend that at 35 or just right off the couch. Were you training? You were right off the couch. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was in shape, but I never had any like legit fight training. I don't oh. fighting on the streets and stuff, but yeah, went out there and got tuned up and fell in love with it. Yeah. You know, I didn't die and I, and it was so terrifying. Like I couldn't hear anything. My teeth were numb. Like anxiety, Next level of anxiety would have been me passing out. Yeah. And then getting locked in a cage with people watching with TV cameras and then getting your ass kicked. Humbling experience. I was like feeling so sorry for myself. Like I did pretty good. He was a D one wrestler and I made it to the third round and ended up getting choked out. And I'm sitting there as they're raising his hand. I'm just like, I'm a loser. I let everybody down. I should never have done this. I walk out, get checked by the doctor, and as I'm walking back to the to the locker room, everybody along the way is like, that was amazing, you did so good. Yep. And in that moment, I realized I was the only one talking shit about me. Yep. That I hadn't found that self-love that I needed other people. Like, to, if I won a fight, everybody would like me. Yep. Like, I was in it for the wrong reasons, but through my training in martial arts, because I trained for another four years, six days a week, I found... Anger management, real confidence, yeah, camaraderie, honor, respect. Like, I used to want to fight somebody at least weekly, and that's probably given me a few days. But now I don't ever, because I know if anything ever happened, you're capable. I'm very confident in yeah. in my skills. So then it it kind of eliminates you don't you don't act out of fear. And so there's not that high rev, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? World's going to, you know, it's just the more you do something that is just, that's uncomfortable, the more comfortable it becomes. And then when you start eliminating things like that in your life, there's really not many sharp edges. Yeah. Right. So whether you like horseback riding or not, if you're afraid of that, go get on the back of a horse, find out that you're not going to die. Yeah. If you're afraid of heights, go somewhere really high and sit on the edge of a building and breathe through it and find, yeah, you probably shouldn't jump, but <laughs> you're pretty smart and you're capable of sitting there for a minute. Yeah. So I'm just huge on the, on the facing fears and, and learning from it and not just be like, Oh yeah, that was scary. Like I want to sit there and I want to know why I'm afraid. 
I want to know where that comes from so that next time it comes up in the real world, like I put, I like putting myself in that position before life puts me in that position so that I have somewhat of an understanding of that feeling. Because that's all yeah. it is. We react off a of feeling, off of pain, off of discomfort. And most of the time, it's not even real. No. The fears, the resentment, like they're, they're not even real. It's the thing I built in my head. Yeah. But it's, yeah. And who built that? Me. Was it a bad chain of events oh, yeah. from family trees and belief systems and all these things? It's like, you know, I was born and raised in the church and... And the understanding of it was me as a little kid thinking that some dude built this big ass boat and that all this <laughs> storm's gonna come and what about my boat and like I didn't get it. Yeah. And and as an adult understanding having gone through my own experiences and things like that, like I understand faith now. And that comes my spirituality comes from my experience, not something I read in a book. Yeah. So I'm confident in that. So I think there's the people that wander through doing everything they can to avoid rather than to understand. It's very well put. I so like that. It's like with religion. This is the true church. Well, have you ever been to another church? Have you ever another studied country? the church? Yeah. It's like, like in Nepal, I'm looking at my Buddha mask. Oh, wow. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. It's pretty simple. <laughs> Karma. What goes around comes around. Yep. Okay, great. Does that make them the wrong religion? Like, that's, there's good in everything. Yeah. So all the this is right, this is wrong is just, I think it's uh, caused everybody to get skewed views on what's really going on. Yeah. You know, I know it caused a, pretty much every person I talk to in recovery that I deal with in my business are either mad at God, don't believe there's a God, like, not because... That's what they believe, but because they're pissed off. Yeah. You know, so the more you can understand, the better, I think. Yeah. And just being open to the new experience. And speaking of new experiences, did you want to tell people about something that you're working on? You want it to be a surprise? Yeah, we're going to keep it a surprise. Ooh, I like we're it. Keep it a surprise. Well, let you hear that, guys. Stay tuned for a surprise then. Uh, with, with the Eastman Foundation. It's a, I, I'm really excited. I know. I'm not going to tell anybody. Not anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody, <laughs> but it's it's pretty cool, so keep an eye out for that. So, yeah, awesome. And exciting. You're a public speaker, too. Starting to become so, yeah. <laughs> Starting to. You've been doing like, it. That, that, same, that same story I was just telling people, like, how did you get started? I'm like, like everybody does, right? You get out of rehab, you think you got it all figured out. <laughs> they asked me to share my story at a rehab, dude. I killed all twelve people totally got it. Yeah. And then it's I like spoke. being the cool person yeah, at the, at the, the like speaker. unpopular table. Yeah, I was the speaker at an AA meeting. They loved it. Oh man. So then I changed lives. Yeah. <laughs> then I had a friend who ran KSL and I asked him, I said, Let me come talk to your people. I'm amazing. And he's called me one day. He's like, all right, I'm ready for you. And uh, he told me I'd be speaking to some of his execs on a, on a leadership motivation deal that they were doing. And oh, cool. That it's at a bank. I'm like, what? That's weird. Must be in a little, little uh, conference room. I walk in, and it's not a little conference room. It's a big-ass stadium seating. Nadine Wimmer from the freaking newscaster is up there giving her speech with <laughs> 40 foot big screen instantly into fear, right? 
And I get down there and I'm speaking for a second. And all I remember is him shouting to me from the top, asking me questions. I had blacked out. I had stopped talking. I was so afraid that all these dudes in suits, because I talked to people in rehab. I can talk to junkies all there, day. But yeah. these guys are suits and ties and educated. Yeah. And I just, like, I blanked out. And he was asking questions. And, and from that day, I, wa- I walked out and I was like, I am never doing this again. So you didn't, you just didn't say anything or did you like black out, but we're still answering? No, I, I just stopped talking. <laughs> oh man. Like, so, uh, what about your fitness? And to prompt me to just keep going a little yeah. bit and get to save me. And walked out of there, had like one out of the 110 that were in there come up and be like, Hey, uh, good job. Like an attaboy as he was probably going to get coffee. Anyways. Yeah. And, uh, I went home and I sulked and I was like, I'm never doing that again. And then this, that other side of me is like, that is exactly why you stayed an addict for 20 years. Face that shit. So after that, I studied some speaking. I videotaped myself to look at body language, the way I sounded, the way all these things and got a little bit better, a little bit better. And then I started speaking at um, junior highs and then a couple high schools and then a couple of like Rotary Club and some different things. And now to the point where um, making four figures a speech and nice and uh, going around to, you know, six, seven hundred people in a crowd. And uh, my probably my favorite and it's at the gym now was this year. I got called from Utah State University to come be their keynote speaker for their leadership days. And I'm like, should I tell him I felt flunked out of the school? <laughs> Dude, that's, I would. So to be able to go and stand up in front of some of the smartest minds of the upcoming people, yeah. to be recognized enough for my story to go and be on that stage was like, like my dad did this stuff. He was a senator and, and he was an amazing man. Like it, it, the feeling I had to be able to bring my daughter and I brought her up on stage at the end because she's part of my story, obviously. Like, I knew my dad was proud of me in that moment. Like, I've had two or three maybe in the 10 years he's been gone that, like, I felt him, felt his arms around me, and it was just a freaking, I can't even explain it. Like, walking in, seeing your name on a big banner, and your picture blown up, life-size, like, walking in like I'm a jazz player or something. (laughs) And it's like, when you finally get recognized for putting in, like, dude, in the 10 years that I've been doing this, I can't even explain how many hours and how much fear and how much self-doubt and how much exterior doubt and oh, everything yeah. that I've had to push through. And anybody that's in my position, you doing this, like how many people, like you, we're putting ourselves way out there. Yeah. And we're not just putting ourselves out there. We're putting our, airing our dirty laundry oh, out yeah. there. Oh, yeah. For all the judge and, and, and the, the fact society's starting to recognize real, it's, uh, it's amazing and it's humbling. And uh, I'm, I'm really transitioning into that. That's probably my favorite thing I do now. Gym's fun, whatever. Training, coaching, wrestling's fun. But I still get, like, wicked butterflies. And... Uh, high anxiety and once I'm up there five minutes in I'm just getting after it 
you, you brought something up too, which I think is important as well, because I feel like everyone in recovery, not maybe even more than that, but everyone's like, oh man, I got something to say. And, yeah. and, and what I learned too was me talking about the dirt and grime of my life. It, it's exotic to the normal person. Yeah. And that's why it seems so cool and interesting. What I found was being able to uplift people from my dirty laundry, yeah. but saying it in a way that isn't boosting my ego, isn't feeding my pride and all this other stuff, yeah. and people actually getting stuff from it. Because I, I've talked to people and I've heard other podcasts, I've heard other speakers where it's just them talking about how I'm a crazy person, I'm a gnarly, I did this, this, that, and the other, and I'm like, no one's getting anything from this. Yeah, that's the big part is the is the comeback. Yeah. If everybody, every addict in the room, like, oh, you gotta hear my story. Well, I wanna hear your story of success. Yeah. Are you out the other side? How did you do it? Did you put the crack pipe down? Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you put that into tangible steps where people can, where you can recreate success? And I think the share of the failure just lets people know that learning from those lessons can yeah. be your success. Yeah. So the, the wraparound for me to see that I was able to be a good father, to start a business yeah. that not only provides for my family, but provides for the community as well in a, in a helping way. Like I always joke about that. I'm like, well, I was a teenager. You asked me to go do service. You crazy. Dude, <laughs> I'm not doing anything for free. You're, no way. And now, it's like not even a question because that in itself, everyone has their own ideas of substance abuse, people in recovery and whatever their ideology is. It's none of my business, but for you to be a living example of, yeah, I did this bad things happen. I did bad things, blah, blah, blah. But I pay my taxes. I am a member of this community. Now I, I help other people like I am part of the community in ways that average people cannot be. Yeah. That's the thing is you don't call a guy who's good at laying sod to lay your concrete. Yeah. Like you got to have the skill. And this is a skill that hopefully most people don't ever have to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. But, you know, it's not something they teach in school either. And you change people's perception of it too. Because so many times, you know, I, I remember I, I went in to share my experience somewhere and it was with a bunch of quote unquote normal people any normal people out there normies that's what we call you guys um and i could tell that this dude was just judging the crap out of me from what other people had told him about my story and then when i and when i start speaking i don't share anything about it i just share my feelings and what it was like and what i do now and then after he he came up and told me he's like dude listen i judge the crap out of you when I got here, but after hearing you share and speak, like, thank you so much. And that's what you do. Yeah. That's the, that's the magic is the yeah. judgment into, Oh my gosh, he can help me right now. Right. That's what, with my tattoos did. I saw a picture of Facebook where your, your girls were drawn on you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, so they were painting, using my tattoo as a coloring book. That's cute. <laughs> but, that's that's really the big thing that whether you're in the gutter or you drink coffee and that's a, a big deal for you, yeah. right? You sinned, not the end of the world. And when they see that, that you can come back from just about anything 
and move forward, and it's not a life sentence. I think it's, and, and you said normies, there's not a, I know we call them that, but the yeah. more I do this, dude, there's, no there's those thing. that, everybody wears masks. Yeah. Some are just a little bit better at it. Everybody's got shit. Yeah. Everybody. So I say, how many of you either personally experience or know somebody who deals with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, the 99%, but there's always the one that doesn't put their hand up. I said, and if your hand's not up, you're lying. Because <laughs> it's like, it, that's the like one you don't know or have been affected by, by at least one other person. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Are you and sheltered? Do you live alone? Even that, you know, you're not. Mom yeah. and dad are up there screaming and yelling or dad's not at home or Something. mom's passed out at three. You just not, you don't have the comprehension yet. Yeah. You know? So that's where I, I've just quit even. I don't even feel necessarily like an addict. I feel like I just did not have the freaking skill. <laughs> I did yeah. not have the I tools I missed that to day live. in school where they handed out the pamphlet. Yeah. We just got an extra dish when you get bullied from day one out of the womb. Yeah. You develop self-hatred a little quicker than everybody else. And at that point, the suicidal thoughts come a little bit quicker. And the choices are death or numb out. Yeah. And, uh, uh, thank God for drugs and yeah, uh, fuck drugs all in the same lifetime. You know, what thank saved God me, almost them. killed yeah. me. Yeah, and uh, but everybody has their drug, whether that be spending money, McDonald's, looking the part, not really being the part. Yeah, you know, food, just like especially being a high school uh, and junior high really coach. Like being the head guy and people are seeing the craziest looking dude in the entire building running the show. They're like, what is going on here? Why is this guy around our kids? Who's that guy? <laughs> and it's like, they need their eyes open. Yeah. You know? And that's been a, been a fun one. I had a guy from Provo. I think he's, uh, his son wrestles for Orem or Provo. He's like, hey, I'd really like you to come up and uh, sit with my son. I would just like to let him know that people with tattoos aren't bad. <laughs> just like, okay. Oh, <laughs> you need to go talk to your bishop. <laughs> like, well, there's no other tattooed people in Provo. <laughs> at a tournament, and I'm just like, nah. I'm. <laughs> you guys can come over here, but I'm coaching right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, not a, it's a sideshow. <laughs> bad. Wild stuff, but man, the journey has been uh, like people talk about everybody in recovery. It, it has nothing to do with your time. Yeah. It has to do with have you been tested? And mine got tested early, man. I think I've told you my wife uh, picked me up from rehab, drove me home, told me, by the way, we're divorced. And then. About two weeks, three weeks after that, because I was homeless and then in rehab for two months and my parents were said they were done and they meant it. Yeah. They didn't pay any of my bills. So after my wife leaves me, there's the one cool thing that made me feel like a man. I had the hot wife. Then they took my big car, my big house, my business. Yep. And now I'm stripped of everything. And then at nine months, my dad died. And my dad was the catalyst that if I couldn't afford all these things, he would still pay for it so that I could feel cool. And in that moment, it's like, 
relationships, money, and death. All whammy. And uh, I think that gave me 25 years on a few months. You know what I mean? It was like, if that didn't derail me, there's not much that can happen after that. And that's just really strengthened the way in which I move forward. Yeah. Like, that I can judge my bad days off of. Like, there's just... There's just not much left that would surprise me. Like you're talking about life finding a way to humble you, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Things happen in, in a quick amount of time, and it's just, you hear guys that have 10 years, and then one bad thing happens, and they're, and they're off their rocker. Yeah. You know, you get complacent and lazy, and I know one thing, life hits hard. And I've trained myself to stick and move a little bit. Yeah. But, but that's... That's the experience part of it. It's like I've had friends come up to me like I've never had a parent die, and, and but it's just like been through some other hard stuff in recovery, yeah. and especially now that if someone comes to you saying like, "Oh, my girlfriend left me," it's like, okay, yeah, is that gonna kill you? Should like, we go rock climbing? Yeah, what do you want to do now? <laughs> Whose car are we taking? Perfect. You know? <laughs> but but that's the shared experience, knowing that. There is someone out there who's been through what I've been through and has been through what I just went through. I have no excuses anymore. Yeah. You know, I've heard a million excuses, but I've never heard a good reason. Yeah, that's that was one thing I wish I would have uh, done is kept track of all the excuses I've heard, especially in the gym. <laughs> all the excuses I've given. <laughs> just think how cool of a coffee table book that would make. It'd be a big book book of excuses and you just go as you're sitting there waiting for everyone here you'd be like oh man oh man oh man that's a good idea Dang bro it. right like you should really consider doing that <laughs> hold that one without excuse again no it's seriously and then and the the appendix of it is what the excuse for not going to the gym not doing that and you flip to it and it's just a thousand excuses for not doing yeah. that thing invalid it's a good one yeah well, cool, man. So I love how we were able to talk about the successes, you know, and, and I, I do want you to quote unquote qualify yourself for the people listening just so they have the more identifications of what it was like. But I mean, at the same time, like in my own opinion, I think that stuff is kind of pointless in a way just because yeah, we all have our stuff. We've all been through something, but just to hear your successes of where you are today and yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's like I never thought in a million years, I never thought that I'd be able to have a house or yeah. anything, let alone a farm and be a good father. I had a gun in my mouth at one point, believing yeah. that any man on the planet could do better for my daughter than I could. Completely false. Yeah. To own my business, everything in it, no debt, to have founded a nonprofit, to, I spoke to over 10,000 people last year. And then also, I was a drug addict for 20 years, yeah. IV drug user. Like, I have so many war stories, but really that was just the preparation. So, I'm the same way. Like, we, we could sit and talk about the, the shit all day, but it really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Oh, man. It doesn't matter at all. We're all in pain. Yeah. Every addict, for some reason or another, whether childhood trauma or whatever, Used for pain. 
emotional or physical, and you either make it out or you don't. No, but that's what any sort of addiction is, is running away from some sort of pain, you know, emotional, physical, spiritual, don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, like, the, the sexual abuse, like, I don't know if I've ever met a female addict that hasn't yeah. been raped or sold their body or whatever, and it's like, the amount of that trauma is insane. Yeah. But they get out of it. So... Man, I think we've all heard huge stories of of just absolute horrible, horrible things happening to people, and then them coming out the other side. So I always just ask myself, what's my excuse? Like my life's been pretty good considering, you know. And uh, I don't mind the discomfort. Yeah, that's the thing. Getting being able to walk through the discomfort to learn something from it. And that's the whole reason why I do the whole reason for the name once broken is just because I want people to share these experiences. This is what I went through. This is how I got through it. You can too. Yeah. So I see people, I've I've talked to quite a few people either lost a parent or a son or a daughter or whatever. And it's like, how long do you want to hold on to that pain? Yeah. Like that's not what that person wants for you. So this is you like, whether it be attention-seeking behaviors or you literally just don't have the skills to get out of it. But, man, there's, there's, a, there's an amazing world on this side. Yeah. Better than I ever could have imagined. I remember being so bored. <laughs> I saw a funny meme today. Um, it says, I'm so sober. I'm so bored, bored, bored. And it's this guy with pierced face and all this stuff. And I remember being so bored because I was so used to the chaos. Yeah. But once you let that storm settle and actually start applying some of those don'ts and moving up, dude, life is pretty freaking good, even on the bad days. Oh, there's, there's no such thing as boring anymore today. There really isn't because on my downtime, like practice meditation, my form of prayer or whatever, and it's just more ways for me to get used to not living in chaos. I just switched feeling sorry for myself on bad days and switched it to those days are my education. Yeah. Like, okay, why, why am I feeling this way? What lesson am I supposed to learn? Not like, oh man, everybody's so mean to me. Mm. I don't, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't even see it. Like I, I remove myself from the situation yep. and I view it as if it was happening to a friend. Be like, what are, what is he supposed to be learning? It's always easier to tell everybody. Else I was just going to say that. <laughs> so it's like, it's so easy for me yourself, to give advice. <laughs> just give yourself advice, man. Step back. Yep. Quit, quit feeling so much, you know? Yeah. And, uh, learn. Well, cool, man. Well, if there is anything that you could tell someone, you know, who's feeling like just what you said is feeling just like, I can't do this. I'm not worth it. Like I'm going through this and it's pointless. Like I know there's not a magic answer, but what would you tell someone right now? Man, my big thing is, is there was a time 10 years ago where the adversary, the negative energy, the bad day, whatever you want to call it, had me believing that this world would be better off without me. And to see the light I'm in right now, how false and fake those feelings and emotions were and untrue that everybody's deserving of love 
and which my podcast is named after, but my tattoo says it's better to stand and fight. If you run, you will only die tired. Yeah. And I say, stop running. Stand up for yourself. Start seeing why the pain. It's not why me. It's why the pain. Figure it out. Learn from it and move forward. Life will continuously teach you until you learn. Learn fast and it'll stop teaching. If you run, you will only die tired. I like that. And then the other one I really like is uh, there's a different devil at every level. So you will never arrive. So the thought that there's a destination to this thing, you're setting yourself up for major failure. Mm -hmm. You want to make $100,000? Great. Your problems are just going to be bigger at that point. You're just going to want to make a million once you reach that goal. So it's like if you miss a payment, your payment's going to be $7,000 rather than $700. So it's still you're never going to get away from life dishing you sweet spots, you know, but so just train your mind, train your body, train your spirit to be prepared, man. And know that you're worthy of love. doesn't matter. Everybody is self love. Surround yourself with people that love you for you, not what you have. Surround yourself with people who love themselves too. Yeah. Like genuine, like love themselves, yeah. not selfish type of stuff, but like, yeah, cause that was my thing. I, I was hanging around with people who didn't have answers they were just muddling through life. And I was muddling through life. Like wasn't growing nothing. It's the birds of a feather flock together. Yep. Misery loves company. Oh man. That's a big one. And that's the, the I don't even want to, that's what we'll get into that. <laughs> Episode two. Yeah, <laughs> we won't go there. That's another hour. <laughs> All right, really uh, two seconds of what you were going to say. Is you, I feel like these AACANA, whatever, yeah. you get in there and there's the few that are doing the thing and there's the ones who like, they feel like they've arrived, like that's, they do everything AA or NA or CA. They go to the events. They go to the. the it's over softball leagues yeah. and the blah. It's like that's supposed. That's pre. That is preschool. Yeah. That is supposed to give you enough strength to go and live life. It's yeah. not supposed to become your life. And I feel like when they told me the first time, they said, "Look around the room and find somebody who has something you want." I looked around the room and I didn't see anybody <laughs> that had anything I wanted. Yeah. And then I was lost again. It's like I love the people. Like nothing against the people, but. If if I have to spend every day in an AA meeting for the rest of my life, that did not sound very no. appealing to me. I wanted more. I came from a, a successful father and I wanted all these things, and I just I had to look outside and find normies that everybody's been through something. You know, I had that mindset that only addicts understood me, and it's just not the case. No, yeah, and it was really at the very beginning. Like I went to those twelve step groups. Because I had nothing else, yeah. you know, I had no card, no job. Like I had yeah. nothing. There's definitely a purpose. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, like I went to those things to be shown how to live with me. Mm-hmm. Once I found out how to live with me, I had to grow that and I couldn't do that in a room. Yeah. I had to do it in real life experiences, mm-hmm. going out, getting my face busted, failing all those stuff. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, one of the dumbest things I heard it, and it, it really it, it expanded my experience in all of life. Like in those 
rooms by people in recovery rehabs who are like, don't date in your first year. And in my head, I'm like, so what you're telling me is at 366 days, I will intuitively know how to be in a relationship. <laughs> so if I just don't date for a year, I don't do any of that on a, a year and a day, I'm going to know how to be in a relationship. No, I have no experience. Yeah. The same thing's going to happen. So just like anything else, I have to gain my own experience with it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, I think when they say that too, is just to eliminate those, the biggest relapsers are relationships, money and death. Yep. Right. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't date for 18 months. Good for you. That I, wasn't to mean I didn't have a friend I didn't or two. Date. <laughs> I had yeah, friends. We all make loopholes, right? Oh man, Bismarcky said it best, man. No, baby, you got what <laughs> I need, but you say he's just a friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh yep. man, that's where I learned how to really found my voice, though. Too was AA. yeah, like I love it. I love AA, but. It's, it's a tool. It's not the tool. Yeah. There's a million tools. You should have a whole, whole tool whole waistband. Like if you go to like one of my buddies, he, he works on cars and he's a machinist and stuff. You go into his garage, he's got millions of tools of yeah. different calibers. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's, that's exactly what it is. The true mechanic of life. Yeah. Many tools. There's a lot of gurus out there saying a lot of stuff, but I look at them to see, are they living it? Yeah. You know, are they out in the community doing it? Or are they, and, and when I see it, I really don't, I don't see too many of them in the trenches. You know what I mean? Yeah. So try and practice what I preach, but not perfect by any means. And set the example, man. Well, cool, man. I, I know you got stuff to do. What do you, what do you got next? Are we cool to keep going? You won't... Uh, yeah, I got a meeting in, in just a little bit, but I wanted to take you to lunch. You're going to take me to lunch? Well, okay, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> it's been a great podcast. I'm getting some free food. So, again, Robert, it's, this was amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah, I love I talking with you. you. We're going to do this again soon. And hopefully, guys, we'll be able to announce Robert's surprise soon yeah and if you guys want you can follow me on instagram can i tell them that no yeah yeah please it's coach eastman and the number eight coach eastman eight or rob eastman on facebook or you can check out my website at www.eastmanfitnessutah.com and my stand and fight podcast yep yep on pandora itunes uh spotify where we talk about mental health and a lot of different subjects that people aren't wanting to talk about similar, similar to this. So. And I'm going to put all his podcast information, his Instagram, his Facebook. I'm going to put all, you should be able to see it now actually on the bottom right hand corner of the main picture of this uh, post. I'll put all the information in the bio. So feel free to contact him there as well. But thank you guys so much. Thanks, Robert, again for yeah, coming man, I appreciate on. appreciate it. I always love chatting with you. Guys. Oh, man, we have the best conversations. <laughs> and then remember, guys, once broken does not mean still broken. Love y'all.